Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Maya. Fake, <laughs> fake weather report. Was, the lack of alternative rain weather report. <laughs> <laughs> on fire. It was sunny. Did <laughs> lack, sort of, did lack of rain for most of the day kind of sunny? If you listen carefully, you you'll probably it. hear the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just started, so. Uh, but it just doesn't change anything. We have a big, big crowd in the house tonight. So, hey everyone, this is Liza, and I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. You want to, you want to, you want to say who's in the room? I'll tell you who else is in the room. <laughs> Over in the corner, we've got Bagel. Foosball is of the devil. Hey. <laughs> Stuck in the corner next to that is Knock. Smoke weed every day. Smoke weed every day. Sitting on the tall seat, we've got Douglas. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. <laughs> oh, beaming a big ass smile because his baby didn't come today. We've got <laughs> One more Mike. Mike. Don't look at me when I'm inside of you. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> Next to that, we have Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. <laughs> On the up, pretty man. girl couch tonight, we've got Tiffany. Hi, I brought Doggo. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, doggo. Doggo. Also, beautifying the pretty girl couch tonight, we've got Paul. Hello, you sexy fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Going around the bend, we've got Micah. Yo, yo, wiki, wiki. <laughs> Wiki Holmes. Yeah. Wiki Wiki Homeboy. And we got Naked Jim. Mama's got a wooden leg with a kickstand. <laughs> Next to that, we have Charlie. Yo, what's up? And then over in the peanut gallery, I believe we have Tess, Joyce, and Brett. Woo! Hey, everyone. Was that like an owl? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Take it easy. Bye. <laughs> and we out. We out. Uh, cool, cool. So this is like a, a half hour intro. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we talk about what we did today. And I have no idea what happened today because I was inside getting ready to cook my shrimp. You were. You were shrimping. For the shrimp It was, a, it was a sea bug holocaust. That's what was so, happening um, in the oven. <laughs> you got your shrimp is that a euphemism? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, is that a euphemism for something? Cooking your shrimp? <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should say. Do you know what shrimping refers to? I do not. Well, you want to tell them, Emma? Um, it's a sexual attraction to women's feet. We suck toes, fool. <laughs> If you suck toes, why are you calling me the fool? <laughs> Touche. No. So, meanwhile... I like how abrasive he is. So, um, <laughs> we need more people like this in the garage. Who was, yes. it, who, who was in charge of the recycle garage today? Uh, Miss Emma was running the garage Who today. was that? Who was that in charge? Uh, Miss Emma. Thank you. And uh, I know there were, there were engines being torn apart. There, well, no, no. There were engines being rebuilt. Um, there were forks being rebuilt. There were brakes re being rebuilt. Um, you were busy. I was busy. Yeah. I was busy yeah, this I week. Well, uh, I actually did very little, mm. but I seem I was I was breathing a down a lot of people's I, uh, necks. I actually feel bad for showing up at like three o'clock. <laughs> 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 
Um, but I think, I want to say, I think the most productive use of time today was... Micah! Hey, that's me. Oh, really? oh, yeah. What did you do today, Micah? I did a lot. Um, Emma helped me with redoing my fork seals and fork oil. Um, and we unbent my foot peg. Um, and I cleaned and lubed my chain. Right, but... Dude, those forks were so bad. Oh my god, they oh were awful. God. I got on to my bike and took it for a ride around the block after redoing my forks. And I didn't bottom out leaving the parking lot. And I was like, what is this magic? This is crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt. I thought this was a Coke. I was duped. Oh. It's a Bud Light. I was wondering what you were doing. Oh, my goodness. I saw her drink yeah. beer once, but two years ago. And she uh, cracks his beer in front of me. <laughs> I was like, it probably dead. tastes worse, but you could probably get, probably get drunker off of a Coke. Yeah, yeah. probably. Then you could <laughs> off of a Bud Light. I'm just saying there should be a law against an all red beer can. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that was it. Yep. Yep. Do you have any uh, recommendations for Tess? Because okay, her wait. bike bottoms out. Hold, hold on a second. Like, did you put thicker oil on the in the forks? Is it the same? No, we think that my fork oil like may never have been done, and it's '96 oh, um, and really, really old, yeah. uh, and it had like only a little bit in there. Did it yeah. smell really um, bad? It had no, uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was just awful. Did dinosaur bones come out when you drained yes. it? Yes. Uh, basically. Oop. Do you and know why it smells oil bad? More of a slug. Do, do you know why it smells bad? Fork oil. Go yeah. on. Because it's actually used to be made from fish oil. Fish oil. And yeah. it goes bad. It stinks. Mm. Yep. Oh, Jesus ah. Christ. And, and oh. ceases to function. It's supposed to be changed every year. Mm-hmm. And Damn, about yours not on only one. stank like old fishes. Reminds it... me of this bird I used to know. <laughs> 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 um, it came out rather nasty color as well, didn't it? Yeah, it was super like gray, sludgy, and yeah. nasty. Metallic-y and nasty. Yeah, yeah so. it was super well, gross. Nasty all round, really. What, what, kind of, the... what kind of bike is it? It is um, the Goose. Which 96 is a... GS500E. Oh. And it's Micah's first bike. Mm-hmm. Fantastic way to start on a bike. Of course, you'll remember, Paul, that back home we always used to start on 125s or 250s. Yeah, but uh, my first street bike was... Uh... 250. Yeah, like a lot of us. But of course, out here, they can start a little bigger. And Mike start has started. Anything, right? You can start Yeah, anything, pretty much. Pretty if much. you can handle it, yeah. And um, that 500 has been a very, very good start for you, hasn't it, Mike? Very. Any, right. su- any surprises on the forks? I saw you putting the new seals back in. No, very yeah. straightforward. No pitting or anything? No. no. The bike handles phenomenally now. Right. right. I, I think Tess needs to do it on her Ninja now. I'm telling you, dead serious. So get on that fucking bike. And, and like I just like leaned into the front and it bottomed out, and I was like, I don't know how I want to ride this. Thing. I, I didn't think it felt that bad. It might just be the weight. How much do you weigh? Like one. You call me fat. Well, yes, that's exactly what <laughs> I'm calling. You call me fat, bro, for real. <laughs> You're a big bone. <laughs> it's gas. No, it's all it's all right in this. He's pregnant. Right yeah. Yeah. I'm shrimp. pregnant, bro. Let me yeah. tell you something right now. All bikes are built to a certain price, unless you yeah. you know the highest end bikes. And where people cut corners when they're manufacturing bikes is with the suspension. Yep. Every single manufacturer cuts corners with the suspension. Yeah, Which right. is like, so it doesn't matter whether it's a Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, it doesn't matter. You've got cheap ass suspension when the thing leaves the factory. If you want to upgrade it, that's great. 
but it's it, it's I mean, softly sprung. Everything most is softly people sprung. aren't going to notice the difference. It's right, pointless to put that expensive I, suspension on there, anyways. I, I, mean. I feel like I'm going to go out on a limb and say, like, well, this is probably the second best thing you can do on a bike besides yeah. check your air pressure, is uh, do a suspension upgrade if oh you yeah know, if it's necessary to you because. In the minute you start fucking around the suspension, in a, in a sense that makes it, you know, that you that's a good thing to do. The bike is completely different. It's almost like like wow, I feel like this is a brand new bike. Or right. just that's exactly how I was feeling today. Or just freshening it up to but, where I, you right. know, do you the won't realize it. Like a lot of people, like even including myself, won't realize that until after they do it, and they're like, "Why right. didn't I fucking think about this?" Well, you know, sooner. like the 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 GS is a great example. That bike was built down to mm. a price because it was a very reasonably priced bike when yes. it was new. The suspension, when it left the factory, was really marginal. I mean, it was just about adequate. Barely adequate. Barely yeah. adequate. So 20 years down the road and a lot of neglect, it's awful. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you bring it back to where it was 20 years ago, well, that's fine. Now, if you want to start spending money, you put the progressive valve springs in it, you put gold valve emulators, you put a decent race shock on the back... Maybe some decent swing arm bushes. Now you got a pretty quick bike. Right, yeah. because you can start stuffing it into corners. And, yep. you know, the sky's the limit. Um, it's already a pretty light bike. The frame's right. all right. I people mean, race with that platform. Yeah. Oh, too. absolutely. It's a very strong platform. As long as you're smooth with it, I mean, you don't need that but it, big it, engine. It doesn't quite have warp speed like right. the No, <laughs> it doesn't hit <laughs> warp speed. But, you know, we're talking about the little Ninja 250s and yeah. 300s. Those are great little platforms, yeah. but they're so softly sprung out of the factory. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's like bouncing around on an old bed. They're, they're great track bikes. They're great to get into. They're easy to work on. They got, you know, they're, just, they're cheap. It's just the suspension isn't good. I mean, right. But it's it's easy enough to to fix. You yeah. just got to start peeling off the twenties. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, the same as with the versus that was yeah. in those cut corners, and <clears throat> I've pushed the pushed it to its limits, but it still performs great considering. And you know, it's funny. It seems like the manufacturers have given up now on trying to do decent <clears throat> suspension by themselves. Every manufacturer that does like an R version of their bike. It's got all in suspension. Yeah, it's on like, it. hey, you, you it's wanna... like we're not even going to bother trying to put. You just get all in. If hey, you, you want to get wanna... the R version, yeah. yeah. But if you have a bike like my bike, you know, I would love to throw two gold Olins, you know, on the back. Not only is they're awesome because it would make my bike. Yeah, but know, that's like fifteen hundred. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'm not going to take a twenty-five hundred dollar bike and throw three thousand dollars fucking suspension on right. it to cruise and parade around town. You know, yeah. I mean, right. So I mean, you it's, just it's get it's a really... sticker. Yeah, but you know, funnily enough. We've been moaning about bike suspension for 40 years. I mean, I, I remember grumbling about Honda suspension back in the 70s. So, you know, it's been an ongoing thing. You know, shocks are terrible. And, of course, back then, we always used to put Italian stuff on it. We put the old Marzocchi shocks on, which were... They're bankrupt of, now, aren't they? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But back then, in the, you know, that was the thing. You put a bright red pair of Marzocchis on the back of a bike, and they were really hard. What's Oh, that's somebody starting the bike up. That sounds um, like a Harley. It does sound like a Harley. Um, but yeah, always upgrade the suspension if you can. Yep. It's a good place to start. So there was, I know there, there was a lot of different projects going on, and you did a great job of running the, the yard. Oh, thing, thank you. So thank you very much. I just came out every now and then just to... 
I like yelling see at what was people. Going on. Yeah, it was a you were very yelling you, you today. Totally what like yelling, yelling at But you got the the head back on uh, the CB two fifty, right? Yes. That's no small accomplishment. You got no, the exhaust studs in there. Got the exhaust studs in. Nice. And you know, I thought at first, you know, we were going to have to pull that engine to get the head off. Mm-hmm. And strictly speaking, you should. But nah, just mm. pull the studs out. Use the same gaskets, or she get a new gasket? No, no, no. no. She, she got, got a whole new, new gasket. She, g- she got a uh, a knockoff thing. gasket. Oh, it's not it's a, a genuine full, Honda. Well, for everything. Wait, was like I didn't? I did not see probably. anything metal in those gaskets. Those were all just kind of like. Is that a base gasket that she put in there? Or? No, it's a head gasket. Really? Yeah, yeah. There was a new head gasket. Wow, and they're, they're like fiber head gaskets. Not no, it's it's like lots and lots of thin. I think it's three or four. Tiny thin sheets of steel. Okay, yeah, because and there's like a painted surface on the yeah, steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it molds itself to the imperfections. Then the kind of the the special sort of gooey paint yep. fills in the other, and it's it's how gaskets are now. Yep. You know. Um, yeah, reusable. Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well, we, thank you, thank you for running the. Oh, you're welcome. I still don't know who won the shrimp off, but I don't think it was me this year. I tried. I tried my best. But I tr- a lot and of you know, dishes. I tried your effort. I- Y'all, Emma said she doesn't like shrimp, but I thought for sure she would like mine because it was surf and turf. I had asparagus, uh, shrimp scampi, and filet mignon in one little bite. And, and I, she, you know, she I ate it and then promptly ran over to the bushes and regurgitated <laughs> it. Yeah, it wasn't too far. I tried. One. Weren't you in the Navy? She tried. I, uh, yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> I got uh, I got something done today also. That's why. What'd you get done? I made a new knife case. Brought it for show and tell. Ooh. Yeah, it's very nice pretty. Nice leather work. Yeah, I stayed up late last night. That's I, it. That's all I nice. did. Is this for picking your teeth when you're okay. done with dinner? Yeah. This garage has become like the giant knife it's, sheath it's show club now. <laughs> Everybody's got a fucking three-foot knife sheath or machete case. Well, the bigger they are, the, the, the more work I can do on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can care less about the knife. I, I just want. What to I love is work. that's an eight-inch sheath for a three-inch knife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should see my condoms. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I wanted to get to uh, the guests we have on the couch. So we got yeah. the two new names, Tiffany and Paul. So you may not have heard of them. We got Tiffany Camhai and Paul Brown. But I've been stalking, well, both of them, but I've been stalking Paul for a while, trying to get him down there. He's been on my list to get down here. Paul is a very eccentric, interesting man who I've never really had the opportunity to have a conversation with. Wait, wait, you wanted me to come down here? Yes. <laughs> uh, you can always see him. You recognize him from that striped shirt. It's like playing Where's Waldo, the the, the black and white sweater. And uh, Paul Brown is the the founder, the, the organizer of the Dirtbag Challenge that we've talked about. We go to every year. We have such a good time. Uh, one year, Phil from Cleveland Moto joined us. It's two years. Noel, before yeah. we go, yeah. in, I think you should remind people, and perhaps Paul, you can do, remind people of what the Dirtbag Challenge is. Um, well, in short, Dirtbag Challenge is a low-rent chopper build-off. We uh, allow people one month and $1,000, or we used to allow people right. one month and $1,000, and um, then you have to come ride for at least 100 miles, but we're changing all that year, this year, and we're going to talk about that in a little while, I guess. Okay. So, yeah, so what is the history? How long have you been doing it, and how uh, did you start it? 14 years. started as a bullshit bet between a bunch of guys in a shop. Yeah, you know, yeah. I could do that cheaper than you could kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we were talking shit about, 
Orange County choppers and the like. Um, all these turkeys building bikes for 50 grand, 75 grand, and they look like shit, and you can't ride them nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't go around corners on them, all that. You know, all that good stuff. Who's the clientele for, you know, a $50,000, $60,000 bike, you know? I mean, I don't know. Not, not me. you, Mike. You well, you know, it ain't me. It's funny you should say that, Paul. If you go back and look at those shows, I've lost count of the amount of times that one of those guys build this $50,000, $60,000 chopper. And it's for, for some clown in a suit who's oh, yeah. the CEO of a company who obviously doesn't know the first thing about bikes. Yep. You know, he's like the CEO of Carl's Jr. or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, Carl's Jr. bike. You just, so, you know, like I'd the, rather have clients who actually love bikes rather than right. just want some means of promoting their shit the, brand. The Carl's Jr. Right. bike. It's like a, you have it yeah. now right on here. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like, I think there was the Carl's Jr. bike, there was the Budweiser bike. Was, you know, I lose count. It was yeah. just corporate Dude, clients. I seen, a, I seen yeah. a Dragon bike. It was like a popcorn company bike, too. It was just yeah, It's like commissioning motorcycle-shaped artwork. Yeah, it's, it's, it's motorcycle-shaped promotion for their company's crappy products mm. well i don't remember if i was more excited for born free or dirt bags this year because i was like you know born free was fun but i was just couldn't wait for them to announce dirt bags that's a huge compliment thank you because oh, i gotta tell you i've been to born free and as much as it has the reputation for a hipster event it's probably the best custom motorcycle show i've ever been to yeah they have everything there uh, all kinds of budgets and all kinds of styles, all kinds of builders, and uh, good luck to him, I say. Oh, yeah, and you, you, you know, you ride in, and half the bikes that are in there, I mean, like like myself, I, mean, I built my bike and bring it in there, and I'm happy because people come and take a look at it. So it's everybody, it's like a, kind of like my wedding, it's inclusive. I think I, think I can sum this up. I think, um, like, Born Free um, and would be like going to a stadium and seeing Leonard Skinner play. And I think the dirt bag is like being in the mosh pit at a minor threat concert. <laughs> except, except it wouldn't be minor threat. Yeah. No, because we can't have all that straight edge bullshit. <laughs> Fugazi? Oh, no. Oh, God, no. God, no. <laughs> but it's, that's what I feel like. I feel like when I go, when you go up there, you feel like you potentially or your life might be at risk, but it really isn't. Because there's a code amongst everybody, but it's it's, I mean it, it it's it, it's martial law there. It really is. I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable as soon as we roll in there. You come in and you're like, oh, I found my people, and it's like you know you're gonna have a good time. Everybody's there to have a good time, and it's fun as the excitement builds. Um, you know, waiting for the bikes to come back, and I really appreciated Paul some of the things you did this year. Especially putting the emphasis on the ride, um, you know, making sure you can ride this thing up to the Redwoods, make sure you can, you know, sleep out overnight, get back on, start the thing again the next day and ride it back. I thought that was really cool. Thanks, and man. There was definitely a lot of excitement building, you know, waiting for you guys to come back. It was Well, cool. you know, talk is cheap and any fucker can talk about building a bike, right. but actually putting one together. Getting on it and getting out there and doing it for real. It's a whole different ball game. Well, that's another thing about like Born Free is as we're riding down there on any freeway, you see the Born Free riders and you see all the guys riding together. Then you see the guys with the fucking bike in their truck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Riding it to the show. You know, so it's like you know, and then they roll it out, put it up there, and, and nobody gets to see it run. Or you know, I, you know, I think that that kind of makes it a little bit more special. This, it's you know, I appreciate ridden bikes. You know what I mean? Bike with a little bit of dirt on it. We have know? actually ridden our dirt bikes to Born Free. <laughs> yeah, nice. 
Nice. Yeah. So, the like the first year, like how many people showed up? Uh, so the first year uh, was two thousand three. You do the math. I can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> there were four entrants to show. Only three of the bikes ran. So <laughs> down three out of four. There were about thirty people. We had a little Weber grill in a buddy of mine's parking lot in Oakland, and we rode around and up down the street. And that was about it, really. And then that takes us forward to. What was the biggest year? Was it year before, 2015? Um, I think the biggest year actually might have been 2014. We had, we had a definite 5,000 people come through that show. Holy shit! Right. Um, wow. Last year, I think we probably topped out about 4,000 people. And mm-hmm. this is—I want to emphasize—this is not there all at the same time. Right. This is coming through throughout the day. So, uh, but I still think that's still pretty good numbers for a little show that we put together with no budget you know um right we me and my partner turk we pretty much put it all together out of our back pockets so yeah and i mean there's a lot to do you got bands playing you've got the barbecue going and then no end of people doing hooligan shit up and down the street because to describe this is taking place on the street this is not at a venue. Yeah, between two big-ass warehouse buildings, essentially. <laughs> Just one giant, like, funnel. <laughs> and I've been there previous years where there's uh, some guy trying to get into his warehouse and trying to back his van up, and there's you know a bunch of bikes parked in front of it, and it's like, well... I'm just going to move these bikes out of the way because you don't want to piss off the neighbors. I think we all know that. And, you know, usually you don't touch somebody's bike, but in a case like this, it's like, we're all trying to not piss off the neighbors and get the cops called, and and it's just so much fun and then the bikes there's so much creativity and that's what i love you're seeing stuff that i don't think you've seen at um at born free like there was a guy who, what was it like a trumpet for you as a like a tail light or something remember that little uh the the black dude on that little heart with oh, the yeah. fairings yeah. and it was like a three-wheeler what was that a scooter or, or like a trike with like, like a, a full on like Cushman fairings. Wow. Yeah. He was um, a good time. Real creativity. So how has that been for you over the years, Paul, handling this and dealing with the larger crowds? Well, you know, we never really um we don't we didn't have a plan or anything. We just it it basically grew on its own and we try to keep up, I guess is the best way right. to describe yeah. it. Um I did for many years uh, put the show on with my uh, ex wife, Pinky. And um, to be honest, she used to handle most of the uh, back of house stuff, mm-hmm. um, all the organization and making sure the dots were, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. Um, anyway, then when she decided that she'd had enough of that and me, uh, <laughs> who could blame her really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing it with my mate Turk and uh, I don't know, there's a lot going on that people don't realize. Yeah. Um I also want to emphasize the fact that everybody that works for the Dirt Beggars a volunteer, all the mm-hmm. bands play for free, all the guys that do um, the front of house music, uh, guys that do the sound, the guy that brings the sound system, actually, he donates that every year. Uh, a couple of my work buddies donate their time and put the stage together. Um, the stage was actually donated by the ACT shop. Um, nice. So the whole thing is built on... Uh, 
you know, volunteer actions and donations. Kind of like a for the people, by the people thing. Yeah, very much. Kind of yeah. like what happens here, how this is all sure. organically yeah. grown from what people are willing to contribute. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what what uh, you did you realize you're like, oh, shit, this is a thing now? Like, um, I mean, like two, three, four years into it, and you're like, I, yeah, probably about four years into it, actually. The first yeah. year, as I say, was very small and very informal. Right. Um, it's always informal, actually. I shouldn't say that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's about as informal as you can get when you look up informal, I think. Right. in a dictionary. But um, uh, we did it for three years outside my old shop that I shared with my mate Chris Bonk, um, in, uh, which is actually one block away mm -hmm. from where it's held now in a similar parking lot. But there was more trailers and stuff and race cars parked in that parking lot. So uh, I guess we moved there about... 10 years ago to where we do it now um, and that was about the time that we realized holy shit this thing's becoming something bigger than what we realized yeah That's you're like cool. i gotta order porta potties yeah that right i guess that's that was the time when we right. realized that we needed porta potties you, you kind of sign you kind of become like a like a like a huge babysitter you know you got to make oh, sure God. everybody shits uh, make sure they eat you know make sure like you know Paul, in that sense you're kind of like you, organizing babysitting do you have do you have one year now that you've been doing it for a while that that's that stands out more than another for a particular reason not necessarily the coolest bikes but like some memorable things that happened one year that really stands out in your mind um that's really tough actually i don't know if uh i could pick one particular year out of all of them because there's always something outstanding that happens and uh somebody that pull something out of their ass. Um, we've had some pretty neat stuff go down. I guess one of the key years, um, I think, was 2011. I'm not sure which year it was, but I think it was 2011. And we had uh, my buddy Mike Cook is um, what they call a little person. He's a midget. Yeah. And uh, he's also a stuntman. And he was doing his uh, ride through the wall of fire <laughs> stunt. Uh, they had 30 walls of fire or something oh, he was God. riding through. Um, what's up, Mike, if you're out there? Um, Mike's dad has a hot rod shop. He's very involved in the gearhead world. Uh, anyway, we had him, my buddy Guido was organizing this uh, just going down the street you know we, and uh, my friend Shannon was uh, dressed in a bikini made out of uh, garbage bags and she had this <laughs> flaming firebrand and she was about to set fire to it and somebody said the cops are here uh, <laughs> so I had to uh, go and deal with the cops while they uh, went and did it they moved the whole gag a block away, oh while I occupied the cops and talked to them and kept them busy. Uh, Running Mike, interference. Huh? Mike did the ride through the wall of fire a block away. Um, so That's that always awesome. uh, awesome. that year was particularly awesome. I think Mike also set fire to the stage while he was singing on it. Uh, <laughs> he's also in a psychobilly band, so uh, it was it was pretty eventful. But you know, we we always have stuff going on. Like one year, the rat, the East Bay Rat, showed up mm -hmm. and. Uh, they had this uh, monocycle tractor thing. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that. I and they were dragging that. tires, burning tires around. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Mr. Furpo? Um, <laughs> you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, there's always some shenanigans going on. I don't know if any particular year in answer to your question. But you, yeah, yeah, no, I was just curious. Yeah. But you know, Paul, I mean, over the years, what kind of relationship have you had with the cops? With the old Bill? Yes, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to know. With the Bow Street Runners. Well, um, 
I guess good and bad. Uh, it's never been bad, actually. That's right. not that's not fair. They've been extremely patient, I guess, over it is. The truth is that uh, before Dirtbag moved to that neighborhood of Hunter's Point, there were far more exciting shenanigans going on, um, completely unorganized and uh, just happened naturally. Uh, right. we, we did, um, you know, uh, flat track racing in the car in the parking lot. Uh, around tires and cones, 20 bucks a shot, you know, mm -hmm. you show up and it was a run what you brung, you just bought mm -hmm. whatever bike you were riding, right, or your dirt bike or whatever. And, you know, before we go any further, you know, a lot of our listeners are from other parts of the country. A lot of our listeners are in Europe. Okay. So once you know that the dirt bike happens in San Francisco, you might have ideas about lovely painted houses. <laughs> Hunter's Point ain't like that right no hunter's point is what they would call uh, i guess a ghetto yeah or the last remnants of the ghetto um it's a huge african-american community uh there's a lot of asians live in the neighborhood as well um it's traditionally um or for a very long time it's been a very poor part of town right um which is why i guess we're there because um you know we live in and work in the industrial section of hunter's point uh, right. it's still it's still just about affordable. I don't know how long we're going to last there, you know. But uh, I guess it's kind of a problem. Well, you know, we said that about China Basin about 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, China Basin was cheap. And Jesus Christ, you need some income to yeah, live my there shop, now. Actually, my shop used to be right in China Basin on 18th from Mariposa. Oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, okay. And there's, there's condos there now. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's so built up. And that's San Francisco, you know. It, it, you can pick the crappiest area of San Francisco. Sooner or later, it's going to get built up. Well, actually, you know, Hunter's Point, even though it's uh, it's run down now, it actually used to be the swankiest part mm -hmm. of San Francisco. The first opera house was in San Francisco, and uh, all the rich people and big houses were originally in Hunter's Point. And you can cruise through the hood, um, you know, past the housing projects and see these old uh, pre-Victorian houses um, still dotted around the neighborhood. And... You know, some people try and keep them up, keep them going. Um, it's a very historic part of town. It's got a lot of soul, you know. Uh, yeah. People are cool. The, you know, people from the neighborhood will roll down and uh, join in the party, mm -hmm. especially if it's uh, earlier in the year and warmer out, you know. Right. I like to come and hang out too. Uh, they come and enjoy the bands. So, um, so would you say, though, it's managed to survive because... Either the cops have bigger oh, yeah, the cops, things to deal with, to or um, is it because the neighbors aren't hassling you because they don't want the cops coming around? Well, either? I think it's a uh, little six one half dozen yeah. the other. You know, it's not that the cops don't harass us; they do come around. Um, they have started more and more asking for permits. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we couldn't afford, or we didn't want to afford, all mm -hmm. the permits that they wanted, which is why uh, we changed some things last year. Right. Um, we didn't have the event out in the open parking lot where. Thousands of people could congregate. We did it inside a warehouse, um, which is also sketchy, uh, given the recent events that happened uh, with um, fire. Ghost Ship yeah. Fire yeah. right before, which was, uh, I think, two weeks before we had Dirtbag oh, wow. last year. So uh, we weren't even sure if they were going to let us do that. We didn't announce it on purpose um, mm -hmm. uh, for two reasons, actually. One, because we didn't want any attention, and two, is because we didn't know if we actually had a venue uh, until the last minute. And also, in part, because weren't you traveling? Uh, well, that too. I did allow myself uh, like a week off when I got home before I announced Dirtbag. But, yeah, I traveled across the United States for seven weeks on uh, a bike that me and my bros built this year. What uh, what, what prompted that? What prompted that? Like, uh, why? The ride? Yeah. 
Um, well, you told me to keep my answer short. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, no, you're That's going to go. Yeah, so, just go, man. Um, <clears throat> many years ago, uh, I was going through a divorce, which wasn't very a uh, happy occasion for me personally. Um, and one of my really good bros, uh, Casey Anderson, who I met through Dirtbag and uh, for a long time was one of the key participants in the Dirtbag Challenge. He called me up and he told me he was doing a, there was a, used to be an illegal cross-country race for choppers, rigid frame bikes uh, called the Stampede. Mm -hmm. And he told me he was doing the Stampede and that I should go with him. So I thought, fuck it, I'll do this. We both rode bikes that we had built for Dirtbag. Uh, he rode a Suzuki 1100 chopper. I rode a Yamaha 1100 chopper. Um, neither bike cost more than like 600 bucks. Beautiful. We, we just, uh, you know, threw our shit in a backpack and got on our bikes and went and did it. Um, anyway, we didn't win or anything, but we finished. We didn't go in it to win it. We just went in it to do it. We finished. Um, halfway across, we realized that the primary skill involved in competing in this event was staying awake. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't actually very very challenging as a rider. It was. It had its challenges, but I guess it wasn't uh, stimulating enough for what we were looking for. Uh, and I had heard of this trail that goes across the United States called the Trans-America Trail. Um, sta started by this guy named San Carrero about 20 years ago. It's a route that goes... Yeah across the United States, and it's about 80% unpaved, uh, you know, roads, logging roads, farm trails, tracks, um, unpaved county roads, that type of thing. Wow. So very Sounds popular for awesome, uh, right? the dual sport and adventure crowd. Well, we decided that as a challenge, we would do it on, uh, well, we were going to do it on mini bikes, actually. First. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. And we went, and then we decided it was going to be like uh, scooters or something, maybe zoomers and chappies. Uh, <laughs> from there, we evolved, and uh, actually, it didn't evolve. It's just that some guy happened to be selling a ton of uh, Honda Trail nineties for like five hundred bucks. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, so we bought those, or Casey bought those actually, <laughs> and uh, he gave us one each, and we, uh, and him and my buddy, uh, the other Casey, Casey Miller. Um, basically bankrolled this project out of their pockets and put together four decent bikes out of this like i think there were 12 that they bought um and they bought uh aftermarket engines for them and shit anyway we rode these trail 90s across country five of us on the dirt and even though that was quite challenging and i actually didn't make it i fell down and broke my collarbone Ooh. uh that's all right i was having a good time when i did it um <laughs> we decided that even that wasn't really challenging enough and so i would combine the two things that i like the most which is dirt riding and building choppers and i would build a chopper to ride on the trans america trail and I invited a ton of my friends or anybody in fact it would fucking give me the time of day and listen uh to come with me and everybody of course says yeah it sounds like the best idea ever man and nobody showed up are we talking uh, about like a springer front end chopper or, or uh, well like... actually mine had a conventional uh conventional fork mm -hmm. and it was and actually my bike is I guess technically more more of a bobber, yeah. Um, in current parlance, how's the clearance on it? I, I got like eight inches of travel, but uh, of clearance, but that's plenty. Yeah. I did every every part of the route. You know, I rode it all. Um, 
admittedly, the donor bike was an XT500 Yamaha. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, plenty of ability there to begin with. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's, that was the ride I did. I built this bobber, chopper. Did you um, put knobbies on it? Yeah, of course. What? It looks nice. sweet. So can we it, see it? It got me stoked. Yeah, I have uh, some pictures oh, somewhere. My, I'll show you. This, it right. got me very stoked to build a bike. Um, sake. But, you know, again, the whole point of it, pretty much everything I do is not... I, I guess it's twofold. I guess there is some Everest element, you know, of things I do. I like to be challenged. I like... Um, I fucking love when people tell me that something can't be done. Mm. Mm. That's my favorite fucking thing in the world. <laughs> That's yeah. not possible. You can't do that. That my wife doesn't like that at all. So, um, <laughs> what do you got right now? <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's part of it. And the other part of it is to actually motivate other people. Because if I'm just doing all this shit on my own, I mean, I, I guess that's enjoyable. But I'm a pretty gregarious sort of guy. And I like to share things. So um, I like to have other people see the things that I do. And, and hopefully... That thing looks when like I saw so it was a hardtail, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Get the yeah. fuck what? out of here. That, so, that thing is sick. Dude, Thank is you. Bad. That is sick. So I can't <laughs> take all the credit for building that myself. My my best bro, Jason, he helped me uh, build that frame. We right. built that. We built the frame in his side yard on his carport. Um, welded it with, uh, you know, 120 uh, volt flux yes. core welder. Uh-huh. Nothing fancy or special. Um, the most fancy thing on that bike Shit, actually is dude. the tank. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. My bro Nate, what's up, Nate? Um, what's up, Jay? You fucker. <laughs> what's up, fucker? What's up now, fucker? Uh, so my buddy Nate actually made the tank for me. Uh, the tank is probably the most complicated part of it, just because I wanted a lot of fuel capacity. Mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. mate Turk, right, right Grebo, he um, gave me that bike, and he also had previously for. Another project, uh, giving me a, a tank off of an old Harley um, soft tail custom, actually, is what that tank was originally from. Okay, yeah, that's a good-looking yeah, tank. Yeah, good-looking tank. It had that 50s retro look uh -huh. that I wanted. Yep. Uh, holds about four and a half gallons of fuel, which is what I needed. Right. Um, and Nate is a master craftsman, even though he's a kid. He's only a kid. He's like 30 or something. He does sheet metal right uh, around the corner from uh, where we do dirtbag. Rad. And cool. uh, he... Um, Modified that tank not only to fit uh, the XT500, which has a an oil-in frame right. design, so it's got a, a big chubby top tube. Um, he also moved the cap around and uh, moved the petcocks and actually installed Damn. custom petcocks and uh, did a lot of work that actually isn't uh, directly obvious from the outside. Now, we have a kid who does sheet, sheet metal work, but he can't do anything like that. Kenny Charlie. I'll get there. Well, everybody has to start somewhere, right. you know? Exactly. So I want to get to, um, we mentioned that this past year was actually a, a smaller crowd because, as he said, it was later than usual. Paul was specifically not announcing it because I, I heard he was he didn't want to do permits. So when we showed up, Paul, we, sh we usually show up early and set up our little base camp and get our grill going. And we showed up and we were the only ones there on the street. And we're like, uh, is this thing happening? And then a couple other people showed up and they're yeah, walking and I, around. I called you and you were like, oh, my, you're missing everything. My oh, guy's got to rush here over the fucking <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I'm like halfway there. We're coming. Don't tell me what's happening. Is a girl fucking with the titties out riding on the three-wheeler? Like, what's going on, you know? No. And so you're we're like, it. I think this is happening. I'm not sure. So everything was just kind of rolling late, but 
It just turned out to be much more covert this year. But Tiffany's here because Tiffany got to experience the dirtbag. This was your first year attending? Yes, and I also I also rode with them. Um, yes. Because I did a story, because I'm a reporter. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So, Tiffany, so you didn't build a bike. I didn't. But you rode a bike on, the, it was a 200-mile ride this year? It was like, it was like 300. It was, it was about over 320 300. miles, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, no simple task on bikes that had just been built in a month. And, Tiffany, what were you riding? Um, I have a 1983 Yamaha XV500. So it was nice. just as likely to break down. Actually, i got to tell you, <laughs> yes, the, ride that I, the ride that I took them all on this year was no simple task on a stock motorcycle. So yeah. mm -hmm. uh, i got to take my hat off to everybody that participated. Did you go like Sebastopol or something? No, we went up to um, Mendocino National Mendocino Forest. Mendocino National Forest wow, to uh, to Deer Valley OHV Park, oh, um, okay, which is above Middle Creek. Right. Um, yeah, that's quite a ride. That's oh quite my a God. ride on the pavement, and then we right. rode about six miles uh, of like rain washed out dirt roads with big right. mud puddles and. It was up a really steep. At night, a, we did this at night. <laughs> at night, with no did, lights. I'm trying oh to picture God. that uh, that first generation SV bobber doing that trip <laughs> that you're talking about. Yeah, well, about. actually, uh, those guys are the um, those guys are the creeps at San Jose, mm -hmm. yeah. and they always build like uh, the sport like bike choppers. badass choppers, but on like sport bike bases. Um, yeah. And they have no ground clearance, and they fucking all <laughs> went. Had, it's yeah. so sick. They, they all did inches. this ride this year yeah. and uh, went. Over the dirt, and I, I'm actually still not quite sure how they achieved that, but nobody He's, fucking died. It's divine so. intervention. Yeah. It's got to be. So, Tiffany, were you the only woman on the ride? Um, no. Well, there was, there, Felicia was there at the oh, beginning. Right, who, yeah. and she her used, bike broke down. But her bike broke down. By the time I had met them, her I didn't see her. Um, and Heidi was there, but she was taking... She rode on the back. Yeah, she was taking, taking photographs. Pictures. I don't know if you know. So, how did you know about the Dirtbag Challenge? Uh, the internet. Ah, that's how I found out about you, Paul. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So I'm a part of the. Which photographs did they have up? I didn't see okay. any. So, photographs. Uh, <laughs> the one where you're wearing the striped sweater, I think. Yeah. Well, that's on that's on the that's on the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw it through Facebook because I'm a part of the Dames Don't Care. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's a cool one. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's how I found out about a lot of motorcycle things. And I think they had just posted about it, and I was just clicking through, and it looked really interesting. Um, and then I decided that I was going to pitch it as a story to um, KQED, mm -hmm. which is the public radio station in San Francisco. Cool. A very nice Sweet. one, too. Yes. Yeah. And they, they said, okay, we're going to send you out with a bunch of bandit bikers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I sold it to them. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I really wanted to go, too. So what, what was the elevator pitch? Um, basically what Paul says, you know, like uh, a bunch of guys... Men and women um, have folks. A bunch of folks have a month to build a motorcycle um, on this super tight budget, and then they have to go on this ride. And um, it's inevitable that bikes break down, and there's drama. <laughs> there's built-in drama there, um, and it's based here in the Bay Area, and they always love stuff like that. So, um, and I was hoping that things would break down when um, I rode with them, and some things did break down. But guys, do you do you know do you know what this is, guys? It's high adventure. Yes, it's high adventure. It's my Everest. And <laughs> the the truth is, I mean, it's not going to be a hard sell, 
Because people lead such fucking dull lives yeah. these days. And if you can lead, do something and well, build the, your own friggin' yeah, bike and true. ride it. Yeah. Right, yeah, there's a lot of drama, but I was also worried that um, the NPR audience wasn't gonna mm-hmm. you know motorcycles oh, they're pretty and, eclectic yeah they were they yeah they I, we got actually a lot of good uh, feedback. How, what, what's the reception being i got a lot of good feedback i got some followers on twitter i heard you <laughs> i i heard the show on the radio and i thought it was great i thought it was really well done and, how long was it and like a lot of it's the, just a four minute piece oh, right but, you, are you kidding me yeah but, well, that's, that's just how it goes and that's yeah, how it goes in radio i listen like to npr every day and they're always cutting people <laughs> off yeah but when you go for four minutes it's enough time to get down into it a little bit deeper than yeah. just talk about oh it was this yeah. biker build thing blah 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 i thought it was great well done so you know i noticed tiffany because I saw a woman walking around with the headphones and recording equipment. I'm like, Who's that? What? What's she what? doing? What? Who's that? What's going on? If she huh? only you knew. told me to get yeah. my this camera. This is my turf. If she only knew how hard you stalked her. As soon as we, you, you saw her. Did you think I was her, another just, motorcycle uh, podcast? Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I, was like, I know. I'm Mike, like, get wait. your camera. I'm kind of following. Like, who's like, that? She's and gotta, you'd, you'd go talk to somebody. I'd be like, yo, dude, who is that? What's she asking? What's going on? What's going on? Because we usually go and like record there. Or, and it's like, uh, what what's going on? So I just finally went up to you. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What you got there? What are you recording? Yeah, I remember Liza you, dragged you her around the corner and beat her up. No, she didn't do that. Fight. She was just asking me about my gear. She had audio questions. That's what I told Liza. I said, ooh, her fuzzy thing on the mic's way better than your fuzzy thing. We were, we were fuzzing around a bit. We were joking a bit. Well, no, yeah. also because we felt like we had the cor- the the market cornered on like knowing about this cool thing and sharing it with the world. It's like, wait a minute. Who, you step into my turf, what? I know. <laughs> so did it inspire you to build a bike? Uh, um, well, <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I talked to, so Paul gave me the names of a few people that were building and I visited them before uh, the day of the ride and i just saw what they were doing and it was so cool um like the the creeps guys their their bike was amazing um and what they were doing with that and just materials being used like skateboard wheels um and <laughs> nalgene bottles on a motorcycle just that was really interesting um and uh paul actually just gave me a bunch of uh, motorcycle parts and uh two rolling chassis so. Oh, okay. One and one title. <laughs> the first one is free. Yeah, it doesn't go to either one of the bikes. Um, so yeah, definitely inspired. I want I I want to learn more uh, about motorcycles. I've only been riding for a little over a year, so I'm okay. really new okay. to the motorcycle world. And so, well, have you been to any other rallies or bike shows or anything? N- no. Uh, this past year, I went to Babe's Ride Out. And yeah. Joshua Tree, cool. um, and that was a lot of fun. I rode my bike down there. Did you report on that at all, or was it just? I like didn't. Okay. No, no. Who's talking? You are. Me, hi. hi. <laughs> um, uh, no, I didn't. Re- that was just for fun. That was like vacation time. I got a question for you, since you're kind of new to riding. Uh, what's the most remarkable thing you've uh, seen in the or experience in being a motorcyclist and doing motorcycle shit? Like just this first year, it's something that you wouldn't expect or whatever. Uh. Uh, something that's like blown my mind. Yeah, something? yeah, something that you just like. Oh wow, this is what what motorcycle people do. Like, what's going on here? You know, like <sighs> as if the dirt bag didn't blow it enough. The dirt like. bag, yeah, dirt <laughs> bag was pretty 
uh, up there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, when you start with the dirt bag, I, didn't I mean, see, you're yeah. kind of starting high, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah, that's a high bar to set, right, for sure. Yeah. I got a question for Paul, though. We were talking a little bit earlier, and, and the custom stuff is so fun. But it's funny how you come about your bikes. Either you seem to score these things for free or dirt cheap. I don't know if you necessarily seek them out or not. But are there any bikes or, or drivetrains that you would really want to work on that you haven't to this point? Is this my uh, buttfuck bike? No, <laughs> oh, no, we're getting there. Simmer down. Simmer right. down. We're getting Simmer there. Down. Um, Keep your pants on. Are you told actually, I have a bike. Him? I actually have a bike at home. Um, it's not at home. It's in my container. I have a container full of bikes. Two. Nice. I have two containers oh, full shit. of bikes. Uh, I don't really do anything else. I, I mean, I go to work and I eat, I guess, and I listen to music. But other than that, everything I do my entire life revolves around motorcycles. Um, <laughs> Welcome to my life. Right. Um, I've been riding all of my life, uh, pretty much. Um, 44 years, I think. I've been riding now. I'm 52. So, um, started when I was a kid. My uncles taught me how to ride. Uh, I didn't ride while I was in the military because we weren't allowed to. But uh, other than that, um, I've ridden for my entire life. And uh, I've been, you know, I'm a broke cunt and I come from a poor family. So, I've always worked on my own shit. Um, through that, I've done every job, I think, pretty much in the bike industry. Uh, I've uh, been a mechanic. You know, I used to make the tea mm -hmm. and go to the, and go and get the lunch. Uh, that was my first job. Uh, you're a gopher. <laughs> I was a gopher, as yeah. you say, in this country. Um, I was at Victory Motorcycles. Hello, Bobby, if you're out there. Mm -hmm. um, in my hometown, South End. Uh, that was my first thing I ever did in a bike shop. I uh, became a mechanic. I came to America. I uh, got a... Go ahead. What, what, what year did you come to America, Paul? Uh, 91. 91, okay. Yeah, I lived in New York. I, I got a job in a couple of local bike shops. Um, I ended up working for this English cat named English Don, uh, who uh, at that time was very influential in the custom world. Uh, he was featured a lot in Iron Horse. As it was in those days, um, he was my boss. Uh, we hung around with all the big bike builders of the time. He coined the nickname Indian Larry for Larry. Mm -hmm. Larry oh. used to build our engines. Um, through Don's influence, I went to motorcycle mechanics school and uh, got certified as a, a tech in all the Japanese brands and Harley Davidson. Um, I did engine building. I did everything that the... Uh, school had to offer at the time um, but because I uh, went to school in Arizona I visited some friends here in California and ended up moving here because uh, it's California it, yeah. Yeah. it's like California, California. Right? you don't uh, want to live anywhere else no explanation either. so um, you know I worked as a mechanic I worked parts counter I uh, was a service manager I ran a dealership as the general manager um, I was a rep for BMW, uh, did all kinds of shit. Um, I drove a tow truck, motorcycle tow truck. Uh, I can't So you've done everything. Pretty much. I won't wash bikes, you know. I, um, <laughs> I think that's a waste of time and energy, but <laughs> ride in the rain, for fuck's sake. But did you notice, Liza, how similar Paul and my story is, certainly at the beginning? 
Hmm. What I did notice is that he never answered the question. Which was? Which was, is there a bike oh, or an engine that you've always you. wanted to work with? I told you I don't have any short answers. So um, <laughs> I did warn you about this. <laughs> so I have at home uh, a bike that I bought for Buddy real cheap. It is a Yamaha 1600 Roadstar. Okay. Yes, I've Air cooled, push rod operated. Yeah, very between. simple engine. Very simple, but a lot of power. That's the star. Big yeah. sledgehammer of yeah. engine. Where did yeah. you where did you get this bike from? Because we looked at one up in the bay that was uh, <laughs> a little suspect. You remember uh, well, this is, bike? This is basically just I got it from a, a buddy of mine that also builds bikes. He's into Harley's and he's uh, also into these big Yamahas because they're yeah. very similar, I guess, in their look and their um, basic approach. Yeah. Uh, I paid a couple of hundred bucks for it. Actually, just an engine and an unusable frame. Frame's bad. So I'd like to tell him the story of our reef. <laughs> Please Not do. Not crazy. <laughs> anyway, so I want to build. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. So it's a it's a big twin. It's a big yeah. twin. Yeah. About, yeah, I mean, I've owned bags. No. no, no, no. Because I want a motorcycle, not a fucking car. I've already got a fucking pickup truck. <laughs> there you go. I do not need all that bullshit. That's not what motorcycles are about. Not to me, anyway. So, um, if you look at the bikes that I've built for myself over the years, and not all, but. A lot of my dirtbag bikes reflect that. I'm really into that, uh, you know, immediate post-World War II era bobber style. Um, you know, that's just where my mm -hmm. taste is at. Uh, I like to modify motorcycles. I actually started modifying motorcycles because the fucking factories can't ever get it right. So, <laughs> um, Emma knows all about yeah. that. You know, so I would just end up modifying the bike to make it do whatever it wasn't doing correctly. Mm -hmm. And... I was into choppers. When I was in the army, I used to get um, Easy Rider, an outlaw mm -hmm. biker, and In the Wind all sent to me in a plain brown envelope because they had boobs in them. So you, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a true story. Uh, well, the mail, uh, all, all like the um, the tuck shops and mm -hmm. the uh, snack bars and all that uh, run by the Salvation Army in the British Army overseas. Huh. Um, so wherever you're posted, there's always like a Salvation Army shop. And you get you can get daily newspapers and magazines and all that, and get your and it's actually a great service that they perform because um, soldiers can get uh, magazines and publications sent to them wherever they are in the world and whatever their posting is, and and you know everybody loves that little taste of comfort, especially if you're in a combat situation that can be invaluable. You know, get your head straight. And there's titties. And there's boobs. And who, and doesn't, <laughs> who doesn't like boobs? Not that uh, boobs are intrinsic to the custom motorcycle world, but they're just a I bonus, think there's I an guess. intrinsic link. No, and, and that's how I how I pitched, hey, you want to come to the Dirtbag Challenge with us? There's going to be boobs and burnouts. I mean, yeah. it's the two yeah. things. I mean, I, I get that, and we've even used that's that as well. That's not what I said to KQED. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't in the pitch. It doesn't, doesn't work so well no. on radio, huh? So, I was gonna, so you you will work with you'll ride any bike. You're not pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, there's some bikes I will, I'll try not to ride, obviously. Um, so uh, hold on, Vulcan 750 springs to mind. Um, probably okay. the worst handling motorcycle ever. That BMW R1200C monstrosity. Uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. have ridden those, yeah. but only because I was getting paid to at the time. <laughs> they yeah. are very odd. Yeah, that's a bike for the crusher. I get a I get a building question. Like, uh, so when you when you're looking at a bike and you wanna you wanna do something with it, um, what I like to do is I like to kind of just envision it. And think about what I can do, and then I'll draw up a picture 
of it stripped down with some of the you know things that I want to do on it, mm-hmm. and then I'll try to like I don't really like look at the bike and be like, oh, I can do this and do that. I, I look at it and see what I want it to be like, and then I'll draw it. And then as I'm building it, you know, I'll run into situations where you know I still try to figure out how to get it to be to that picture that I that did. Do you is that how do you work? Yeah, um, I guess my process might be even more organic than that. I don't draw any pictures or anything thus far, anyway. Um, the bike that I was talking to you about, the I want to build the uh, World War II era bobber out of that Yamaha. Um, That'd a, be great. Yeah, a guy I met through the dirtbag, Julian Farnham, who builds amazing motorcycles with the crazy uh, girder front end. The girder front end. Yeah, We've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. He, um, he's an extremely talented draftsman, and mm-hmm. he designs motorcycle frames, so he's going to help me with that. Um, but up until now, I haven't. I just, you know what I do is I collect a bunch of pictures of bikes that I like different aspects of. I might like the tank on one bike, the bars on another, the the general silhouette of another bike, the rake of a third bike, the front end on a fifth bike, you know, all that stuff. Um, I used to cut pictures out of magazines when I was younger. Uh, now I just collect pictures from the internet. And I often have a particular donor bike in mind, but I often don't. I, You know, people know that I do this shit and... Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody else whose uncle has a bike, uh, you know, in his basement or whatever, free for picking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing comes around a lot. And a lot of that stuff I just, you know, I'll take and give to other people or trade, but some of it's viable. And I'll come across something and think, oh, I could do something cool with this. Well, that's funny. <clears throat> Sorry, Jim. Is there a bike, though, that you think out of the factory is so is perfect? So perfect, in fact. That you would take it up the butt for him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I, oh. I must. I missed him. I must admit to being uh, pre-warned about this. Uh, <laughs> yes. Emma mentioned it earlier. <laughs> Funny enough, well, um, she's holding the big boy. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Everything's better with spit. <laughs> so I do have uh, a motorcycle that I would take it up the ass for, but it's not uh, a currently made motorcycle. Um, okay. That's okay. Yeah. Probably. Um, definitely one of. It's got to be the sexiest factory bike I personally have ever seen. For my taste, 1934, Bruff mm-hmm. Superior, mm-hmm. Yeah. SS100 Alpine Sport. Yeah. A Grand Sport. I'm sorry. Oh, Alp- God almighty, it's what a great looking yeah. bike. A gentleman's, yeah. a, gentleman, a gentleman's Grand Tour, extremely fast, considered the Rolls Royce of bikes in its day. Mm-hmm. I could probably never afford one, um, but if... Some very, very wealthy gentleman out there <laughs> that likes the look of my ass in these, <laughs> in these car hearts. I'm sure we could come to some arrangement. Uh, Wait, is, this the, is this the bike where you got to prime it and it's got the thing you pull it out? Well, and you gotta, it's of that era. Prime the spark you know, and all it, that it, shit. The, it's a big V-twin. The mufflers, there's one above the other, but they're not close. They're quite a, quite a way apart. Mm-hmm. You know, one's kind of C-tight and the other one's low. It's got a beautiful... Um, it's probably nickel plated. Nickel plated tank. Nickel yeah. plated tank. The looking. shape of a it's torpedo. The, the original hmm. steampunk. It is. Oh, really? it's, yeah. It's oh, a wow. fantastic. Actually, it's, it's interesting bike. that yeah. you say that, Liza, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, the steampunk aesthetic, obviously, is mm-hmm. taken from that uh, immediate post World One era. Yeah. But there was a famous steampunk cartoon um, when the term was first coined. I don't really know mm-hmm. what steampunk is. It's like uh, it's like goth in victorian outfits i guess right. but um it's like goth meets sherlock holmes yeah right? something uh, yeah so i'll buy that yeah so anyway um goth with hats i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh 
but uh, this cartoon, I forget what it was called, but it was about this girl that had a relationship with her motorcycle because it was uh, uh, haunted by a, a oh. spirit or something. He knows, he knows something? That was it, yeah, yeah. And the bike was actually a Bruff Superior yeah, SS100. Yeah. Yep, yep, with and the so, reverse levers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you're saying that that bike... Uh, was very much the inspiration for the whole steampunk movement. I don't know if that's 100% true, but there's certainly a great deal of weight to that statement, whether you right. knew that or not. Um, and so yeah, that that is a very butt-worthy but, bike, I agree. And I think that is our first Bruff Superior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. Now, yeah. Tiffany. Tiffany. Do you have a price on your butt? <laughs> She does, and I, I do, know what it is. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it earlier, and then Paul was pointing out everything that was wrong with it. No, no, well, no really. No, no. I pointed is, out uh, one thing, one thing that I didn't. But like. it's a major thing, apparently. I don't know. I'm it's new a to motorcycles. That's correct. And I think it looks really cool. But see, it's always interesting to find out somebody who's a newer rider right. who doesn't have the wealth of knowledge of all the bikes in the world so, to know it. What it is. So, Tiffany, what yeah. is your up-the-butt bike? My up-the-butt bike, you're going to have to help me with the, the letters. I can't remember it. the letters. I mean, there's wait, one in our wait, show. Do you want Liza right to demonstrate? It's the, it's the uh, <laughs> Yamaha 950. Yeah, the SC 950. The SCR, I think. That's the one, the SCR 950. Oh, this is the new one? It's yeah. a V-twin. Oh. It's a V-twin, and I have an affini affinity for V-twins the, the derision, The derision from Paul... Is that it is neither shaft nor chain drive. It's got a rubber band. Yeah, belts are for <laughs> holding your trousers up. <laughs> so, <laughs> belties. But actually, but I mean, that's it's the, a, what looking? a great looking bike. Yeah. And you know yeah. what, Paul? I know what that bike reminds you of because it's the same bike that it reminds me of, certainly the gas tank. XT500. It really does have Doesn't a stance for the XT, the tank, yes. and everything, yeah. Yes. Um, I like this bike a lot, and I, I would own one of these. Well, it looks good, and, and also for the type of riding you end up doing around here, it's a good bike for that kind of riding. I know? could do yeah. some damage yeah. on this motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, and you could always hooligan it. You know, and, it's a, it. and it's not um, too expensive for a new bike. No, they're like eight and a half grand, something like yeah. that. that yeah. No, it's good to have an attainable up-the-butt bike. Mine, Which for... means that Tiffany's butt. Can be had. Can be had for eight thousand, eight thousand six hundred seventy-nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. with easy financing, no money down. Finance. Yeah, I can finance that. And no, finance that and no payments for three months. Yes, I think. <laughs> just I, just I in case anybody was bad. interested, and I, I think you can get an extended warranty on Tiffany's butt. <laughs> I can't wait till we actually extended uh, warranty. I can't wait till we have someone's up the butt bike here and we can be like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> roll it in. You know, dude. Well, we've got Drop a surprise for you. Yeah. Are you going to do that live on there? I totally. think so. Yeah. No, it's good to have an attainable up the butt bike. Mine for a long time was the KTM Super Duke and it's sitting outside now. And I, I mean, I couldn't sit down for like a couple it was an of weeks, unpleasant but it was bike. so worth it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like I said, I'm new, and I really like the way it looked. Um, I really like V-Twins. Um, and you know what, Tiffany? Good, good, it's good. a good choice. It's a great bike, and I could actually see you on one. Because, you know, you can get, you know, you can go on about the mechanics, and you can go on about this and this and this, but it's got to be a fit. You right. know, you've got to fit yeah. your bike. Yeah. And I could see you on one. I could see myself on one also. 
come down to the dealer where I work, we will hook you up. He can make an arrangement for you. I I just don't know if I can see her feet touching the ground. Is it low enough? It's pretty low. Yeah, is it? It's not as low as my current bike. No, I think the sea height's really low, actually. I was just looking it up. It's not, yeah. So I'm quite attracted to this bike myself. It's it's 29 and change. I won't be able to flat it. it? Yeah, it's 29 and change. Paul, are you admitting that you're motosexual right now? I'm fully admitting that I'm motosexual. <laughs> I've always been motosexual, and I will continue to be proudly motosexual. Good on you, man. You know, um, I've always maintained that even though the, the the relationship between custom bikes and boobs is not always one that I necessarily approve of, and the reason for that is not because I'm some straight, but it's because I don't think... I think that oftentimes a nice pair of boobs will take the focus away from right. a really interesting motorcycle, especially uh, visually, publications and stuff like that. But uh, motorcycles are dead sexy. I mean, oh, yeah. today it's fucking pissing down with rain, and I'm pretty sure half the people in this room rode here. Yep. And why the fuck would you do that if, if cars are just as cheap nowadays, which they are? Right. You know, you can buy a perfectly usable modern car for 12 grand, right? So why would you spend that money on a motorcycle? Well, it's because they're sexy. Because right? they're cool. Yeah, because they're, they're, cool, they're so, cool, man. Tiffany, are you gonna are you gonna go to Dirtbag next year with? A, um, are you gonna build a bike? Well, I think. I, well, I am trying. I, I'm just at the beginning. Um, oh, no. of avalanche of beer. <laughs> beer a bad beer. It's not a possum, is it? Um, <laughs> it's a no, beer avalanche. I I am trying to. I'm attempting to learn. Um, I have a fellow dirtbagger helping me, um, who I met um, while I was reporting. He actually lives very close to me, so that was a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and he, Hello, Justin. Yes, Justin. Um, and, yeah, so I'm just at the beginning process of it, and I, I suspect it'll take me a long time and lots of frustration and... But I'm excited. And you know, that dovetails in with what I've, I've said so many years. To me, one of the greatest attractions about biking is the community and the strength of the community. And, you know, so here you are. You're one year in and, you know, you've already found somebody who's going to help you build a bike. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. The community is something that you, it's amazing to finally get tapped into. I met, I went many years without getting tapped into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is great. So, Paul, I want to know what is in store for Dirtbag next year. In the future, well, oh, I was about to say. <coughs> we really want to know. It <coughs> Here was we go. A, quite a shock last year. So, last year we um, changed some things about Dirtbag. Um, we did it later in the day. We rode further. We stayed out overnight. That was the first this year. Mm-hmm. It's last year. Um, one of my problems with the Dirtbag, uh, for a long time I've I been dissatisfied with... Uh, the, the day itself, I guess, um, partly with the, uh, there's a lot of prep goes into it, um, and uh, it's it's hard to enjoy your own party, you know, because mm, right. you're running around, uh, and i, I got to say, I do have an absolutely fantastic crew of people that help me out, um, uh, Turk is awesome, uh, Karina, who produces the event, mm-hmm. um, is fantastic, she flies out from New York and helps wow. us out. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, she's uh, awesome. Um my buddy Alex, who's TD on the day, uh, my buddies Moose and, and uh, Robin, who helped build the stage, um, my buddy Johnny does all the sound, um, he finds all these b- great 
local punk rock bands and metal bands to play. Um, we've had just about every kind of band actually out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't do all this work myself, um, but it is a lot of work and it's really hard to enjoy the day itself. So I couldn't really put my finger on exactly what it was that I was dissatisfied about it. Um, I actually stopped building bikes for Dirtbag a couple of years ago. Um, I usually nowadays will build an, a bike for myself at some point during each year or every couple of years, and I will just ride that for Dirtbag. Um, I don't allow my bike to be in the show anyway. Right. That seems like cheating, right? Right. Like, this is my party, and I want to win everything. It, no, it, it's like hosting a shrimp off and, and putting your own dish in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're yeah. the whole that thing. every year. Rain. That seems like a lot of bollocks to me. That's like everything being about me. And even though me and my sweater have become something of a, of a focus for the event on the day, um, that's not really what I set out to do, you know? Right. Um, so... Uh, Karina and I put on Dirtbag uh, just about a year ago in Brooklyn, New York. And yeah, that looked cool. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was a lot smaller an event. Um, a lot of local people uh, helped us out, you know. Did people know what to expect, though? I mean, did we... No. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Not at all, yeah. actually. Wait, they didn't uh, see the documentary? Well, uh, here was a deciding moment for me. A defining moment was when a local biker walked up to me during the middle of the party, small as it was, but we still, like, took over a street, and, you know, mm-hmm. there was shenanigans up and down the block. You know, it's you can't have a bunch of bikers hanging out and having fun without that sort of thing happening. Anyway, this local biker walked up to me, and he looked like a bro, you know. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a hipster or anything like that. Um, you could tell that he kind of had some sense of what was what about him. Um, he said to me, hey, man, where are the burnouts? Uh, I was like, well, did you ride here? And he said, yeah. I said, what did you ride here? He said, I've got my uh, road glide or whatever over there. I said, well, it's got good brakes on it. And he said, yeah. So go do some fucking burnouts yourself. <laughs> like, uh, and I realized that people were showing up. Um, yes, people show up to be and expect to be entertained, but not. I was not aware necessarily of the extent to which people were expecting me and my crew to entertain them right and um really that's not what i ever got into it for it i think it became like this three ring circus uh where the ringmaster wears a sweater instead of a hat um and that was uh kind of fun for a while um you know it's a lot of work every year we finance the whole thing out of our own pockets and out of donations by a friendly local business. And um, i got to say hi to my, my buddy Joe. What's up, Joe? Thanks, man. And uh, to Dave at um, O'Hanlon's Motorcycles. What's up, Dave? Thank you for everything over the years. You know, and other local businesses have helped us out. Without that, we'd have no party. But I realized that all my energy was going into actually throwing the party and I wasn't building bikes. And, uh, yeah, I got to ride, but I only got to ride for like 100 miles and that's not very far. You're killing me, dude. Are we going to have a dirtbag challenge this year? I'm getting there. (laughs) (laughs) No short answers. So, there were no short answers because there were no simple problems. Right. (laughs) And um, if you're going to do something, then you should uh, apply some semblance of thought to it 
and think about what's right, not just for me, but what's right for the community as well. Because if I just did what I wanted to do, that would be selfish. If I just did what I wanted to do, there would be no party at all. <laughs> and it would just be me yeah. and a handful of my bros going for a ride, which I can do on my own anyway. So I've tried to find some way to compromise between what I want to do and what the expectations of the community, which I have largely inadvertently built up around this mm -hmm. event. Um, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to meet uh, in Hunter's Point, the same as we have uh, for the last uh, 14 years or whatever, the last mm -hmm. 14 dirtbags. Is that 13 years? Yeah, 13 years, 15 years, whatever it is. Fucking long time. Yeah. Um, and instead of like going for a ride for 100 miles or even 200 miles, we're going to go for a serious ride. We're going to ride for about three days, spend two nights out. Whoa. Um, okay. We're going to ride wow. approximately 700 miles. Nice. Um, we're going to take in every kind of terrain and type of road as we usually do. But um, my goal is to shift the focus of this event to riding and building mm -hmm. affordable, usable, functional, bikes. functional, custom motorcycles. So will yeah. you uh, increase right the amount of money you can spend yeah. the amount of time? Uh, well, I already actually increased it to two grand. Yeah, I think yeah, that's pretty What a lot of people have actually literally asked for is more time. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Right now, it's two grand a one month. I think we're going to give two months notice, allow them to spend 2500 bucks. I think. Yeah. Um, that's not so that people can spend shiny money on shinier bikes. That's up to them if that's where they want to spend their money. Right. But maybe they can get some more functionality out of a, a machine if mm. they've got a little bit more money to spend Wait, on it. I don't understand something. So so if I have if I own a bike already, can you, can you explain the, the entry rules? Like if I own a bike and I bought it a year ago, at that point, when you say two months, does that mean I could take that bike and throw a thousand dollars into it, or like how does that work? That so there's four rules, all mm -hmm. right. My job is not to tell you how to interpret the rules. <laughs> it's your job <laughs> to use your brain and figure out how you can make those rules allow you to build the bike that you want. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. Nice. Um, the one piece of advice I will give you and I give to anybody that's entering the dirt bag, and there's been some confusion over this over the years, which seems silly to me, but still, start with a running motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no mm -hmm. shit. Right? Yeah. You get a time period, it's going to be two months now, to build your bike. Build your bike is not defined by making it run, to me, anyway. Mm. Um if you're smart, you'll start with a running donor bike. If you're not smart, then you might at least spend some months like prior to when you think the event might be um, and you don't know when it's going to be because that's still a trick I've got up my sleeve. Um, <laughs> you get a bike and as soon as you get it, you might want to make sure it's capable of going down the fucking road, mm. you yeah. know? And these things sound really obvious and simple, but people get wrapped up in minutiae and i got to tell you that even though riding a motorcycle is about focusing on some minutia, it's also about the larger experience. So yeah. so, so this ride largely is about the shakedown, right? To see if your shit works. What this is, is uh, this, the whole thing is a shakedown, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. your shit has to work right. to be in. If you, went, if you show up on the day that we leave with a beautiful motorcycle 
that's within the time limit and within the budget and you don't make it to the end of the block, guess what? You're SOL, bro. Yep. Well, and you're not or, only, or sister, whatever. You're not only talking about the bike, but these aren't the most comfortable rigs you've ever seen in the world. I mean, well, a lot I think of these that's are, actually, there's also are, a lot of misinformation about that. I mean, I am English, so I am made of iron. <laughs> <laughs> However, I did just ride a rigid chopper, bobber, right. across the U.S. on the dirt. It's possible to build a motorcycle that's comfortable to ride under all conditions. The point is putting some thought into it. And instead of just copying the cookie-cutter bikes that you see online or in magazines or anything, maybe if you put a little bit of forethought into it and built the bike to match you and your, you know, the golden triangle. Right. Ass, feet, and uh, elbows, I guess. You know, where your hands to reach the bars, your butt is on the seat, your feet are on the foot pegs. If you work on that relationship while you're building your bike, instead of focusing on, you know, candy, purple, great paintwork, hmm. then maybe you'll put your time, your energy, and your money in a worthwhile place, and maybe you'll make the ride so that you and the bike are still in one piece instead of having a glorified jukebox sitting at the side of the road waiting for a tow truck. Yeah. I, I like what you said, too, about starting with a running bike. When I was watching the documentary, mm -hmm. I was, I mean, in the back of my mind, and I even said something to Liza, I'm like, not once do they give a shit about the mechanics of the bike. It's all about where am I going to cut? Where am I oh, going to yep. weld? Where am I going to cut? It so was fascinating. I want to tell people, too, if, you're, if you want to see what we're talking about, there's a couple ways you can do this. Um, you can go to YouTube. There's a lot of videos there. Uh, you can Google Tiffany Camhai. I just, a uh, dirt bag, and your article came up. But um, I want to talk about, there's so, two documentaries. So there's uh, the dirt bag yeah, um, documentary, and then dirt bag to the Rattler. Return of the Rattler, yes. Return of the Rattler uh, by the, um, well, the Handsome Asians. Well, it. the Handsome Asians is a production right. of uh, Vargas Films right. and uh, Rattler Productions. Um, a good buddy of mine, Paolo Asuncion, mm -hmm. and uh, his little crew, um, Frank, Eric, and what's the other guy's name? Lewis. Um you know I love you, Lewis. Uh, he, uh, they um, make little documentaries, and right. they have the Handsome Asians Motorcycle Club, which is their YouTube channel. And uh, we're we're actually going to be they're going to be here in a couple of weeks, so yeah. we're going to be talking at length. But I wanted to let people know. So they also make uh, they made um, well. That, I'll tell you the story again. There are no short answers. Uh, Paolo and I worked at uh, Urban Moto. Mm -hmm. um, I had a regular column, and I wrote other articles. Um, I usually wrote, like, two or three articles every two weeks. Um, Paolo was the art director. We became friendly uh, through that publication. Um, he had a buddy that needed a motorcycle uh, and didn't have any money. Uh, you could turn the volume down on your phone too. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find these funky '80s videos that I. Uh, oh yeah, you, they're in there. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needed a bike. We got to know each other more. Um, they got a, a, yet another motorcycle and wanted to restore it, and they made a little tiny 15-minute movie about it. Yeah. I really liked it, and I said to him, "Hey, you know, if you're interested, I would be stoked if you would come along and make a little 15-minute thing about." my event that I put on. They'd already been once. Was I that think. the VLX? No, it was an XS650. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the VLX was actually my bike, which did run before I built it, but I didn't check the charging system. So <laughs> that's why I didn't finish. 
that occurred during the filming of Dirtbag. They filmed Dirtbag and it started out as a to be a 15 minute project. It ended up with being like an hour and a half long. He actually didn't like it, so he scrapped the whole project and then filmed it again the following year. Um, uh, he showed that movie at a couple of film festivals. We had he had good response out of it. Yeah, I have it here, by the way. Oh, great, yeah. cool. Um, I think you can get this uh, by uh, looking up Dirtbag and Rattler Productions. Uh, certainly, if you go to um, Dirtbag the movie on Facebook, I know you can get a copy. Yeah, and, and like I said, we're we're going to cover it in a couple of weeks sure. when they're here. So, but yeah, I just want to say if you want to see it, it is a great documentary. Really, you get a feel for what it's like, and I really loved Dirtbag too to see the guys building that bike, building in which case own. you had to teach them how to weld yeah. and loan them a welder. <laughs> yes, so, I, I mean, they're really coming in as somebody who hasn't built bikes. Um, it's a great story. And then, of course, you also get the little cherry on top to see the uh, fun video they dragged you out. Yeah, for. they dragged me into uh, <laughs> making that video, uh, the 80s uh, pop music video, the MTV ripoff. That was, that was a lot of fun. That was pretty good. <laughs> you know, all that stuff, I gotta say, Paolo writes nearly all of that. Mm -hmm. He writes the music. He uh, writes the basic script for everything. He films everything. Um, those guys put a lot of work into all those little productions that they make. Um, and in fact, Paolo and I and another guy, Kirk, are working on a third dirtbag movie right now. Oh wow! Uh, based on the ride that I did last year um, on the Trans America Trail, we actually filmed the whole thing. What? Yeah, um, that was the hardest part of it, actually. To be honest with you, riding the bike and building the bike were, at this stage of my life anyway, sort of second nature. Yeah. Was it like getting the shots of doing you doing like yeah. shit? Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. The, um, Kirk is a buddy of ours. Um, he's a camera geek and a drone geek. And we met him uh, that way. Uh, Paolo was uh, shooting some stuff with him. Yeah. Um, you know, he <coughs> very generously... Uh, Gave up his own time and came and on the road with uh, us and filmed it. And another buddy of ours, Tom, he actually bought his van so that all the camera equipment and all that could be transported safely and efficiently. Um, so we had like, like a little production crew of the three of us uh, head out onto the trail and film the whole thing. So um, I think we got some great footage and uh, with Paolo's talent as an editor, um, we can come up with some good stuff and that's going to be the uh, third. Cool. Yeah, it really did capture the chaos, the fun, the camaraderie. Yeah, there's a lot of all the, of that. The burns, burnouts and boobs. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and burnouts and boobs are definitely a part of it, but, um, you know, the motorcycle should be the, and riding of the motorcycle should you know be what? the focus. I just want to take a moment to thank you for putting this up, because when I first started yeah. riding, um, I heard about this. This was like maybe like eight, ten years ago or something. And I rolled up, and that was my first dirt bag, and I was like, holy shit, this is like my people. Like, this actually exists. And in my mind, it kind of kept me going, like, I should keep doing this bike shit because it's super cool. So just thank you for that. Can I just well, say it one is super thing cool. that yeah. I learned about when I was doing the dirt bag challenge and reporting on it? Um, which is probably pretty obvious to all of you guys and gals. Folks. Um, just say, just say dudes. All you dudes. dudes. All you dudes. Um, Folks. You know, it's, it's in my story, actually. Felicia um, Chen, who built a motorcycle a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, she said, um, and I really love this, she said, 
what she learned from the dirtbag challenge is that if something is broken, you can fix it. And that really resonated with me. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I know motor, I knew some or know some motorcycle people like before, like meeting everyone in, at dirtbag. And, um, I, you know, I'd heard that before and, but it didn't really like hit home until I heard it right. then. And then I saw everything that these people building bikes, what, you know, what they were doing. And they weren't getting and new things. They were getting partly broken things and right. fixing them. And, and that's something of a mantra down here at Recycle. Right. We, we yeah. get people bring mm -hmm. stuff down that's very, very broken. So and if, it's like, we can fix it. If you are going to be concentrating on <coughs> putting on an event for the builders, the riders, mm -hmm. is there going to be something for Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't not do something. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to do something like very similar to what we did this year, this last okay. year, and have something in a small location with a couple of bands and keep it pretty low-key um, and just keep it as... Uh, more of a celebration of the ride as opposed to a big giant party. Um, and if people want to come and join in, that's going to be entirely up to them. But I'm not going to be promoting this as a giant street party. Right. And where is it going to take place? Uh, the ride or the event? The event. I have no idea yet. Okay. Um, most likely still in San Francisco or could move? Um, I'm actually not tied down to anywhere. I would like to stay in San Francisco. Um, I have a lot of very, very, very mixed feelings about the city of San Francisco. Um, I lived there for a long, long time. Mm. Um, I lived in Hunters Point for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I was very, very lucky to be welcomed into an extremely active motorcycle community. There was every kind of there was every kind of rider, every kind of bike, um, pretty much every kind of everything that I had dreamed of. You know, um, I will. I used to read uh, a lot of the custom mags in England before I joined the army and while I was in the army. And uh, one, or, one or two of them used to have these little cartoons in them. And each of the cartoon would take up about a page. So it was like a little comic strip about these cartoon fantasy bikers of different stripes. And there was always this like community of characters around the, the central characters in these comic book strips. And I was like, I always was like, well, why can't real life be like that? Mm -hmm. Why isn't there? Uh, why aren't there like communities of bikers of different types, all like living, uh, you know, in close proximity to each other and helping each other out and participating in each other's lives? And when I first visited San Francisco, I realised that it did exist. It existed there. I don't believe that that's still the case. Um, I think the economic dynamics have changed drastically in the city, and that has obviously changed the social dynamic of the city. Sure. I no longer live there. Uh, primarily because of the economic situation. Um, I still work there. Dirtbag has still been there. A lot of my friends still live there. Um, I still hang out there. So, so yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. I, I feel so, like he just like literally defined Recycle Garage. So you know? here's what I'm going to offer. I'm not going to speak for anyone else here. I'm just going to speak for myself now. But if anyone else wants to join in, I'm going to say that I've been going for about 10 years been enjoying it never participated i was just one of those watchers so next year i would like to offer up my services in any way that Thank you, you need and hopefully maybe some other people here at the garage because i think as a community as a group there's a lot we could do to help out so that you don't have to worry about what's going on yeah paul at in, the location. in front of witnesses i'll step up as well because you know 
I always promote this whole community thing. And I think, you know, we need to step up, we need to put our money where our mouth is. And, you know, dirtbag's where it's at. Duck so, is cheap, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk is cheap. Talk so, is cheap. Step up. I'm stepping up to the plate. Liza's stepping up to the plate. Um, anything you need, just holler. Thank you. That's very, very generous. You know, one thing I would like to say is that if I can encourage people to do anything at all, it would be to do something. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be like participate in dirtbag mm -hmm. and build a chopper. It doesn't even have to be build a motorcycle. Um, my ultimate life goal, I guess, you know, if I have a thing in life, is to like encourage other people to do fucking something right. you know to do something with your fucking life like today is a very interesting day uh that i'm here with you guys um i would say uh 98 of the population of the united states right now is sitting watching a fucking football game <laughs> yep true that right yep. and here we are sitting around bullshitting listening to some old limey wanker talk about fucking motorbikes <laughs> because that's what we're all into I yeah. see these young people sitting over there. They're looking at me. They don't know who the fuck I am and what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, and that's okay. But the important part is that these these kids, I'm going to call you guys kids. I'm sorry. They're yeah. totally kids. Because yep. you fucking are. Right? <laughs> um, these kids over here, I'm including you in this. Um, <laughs> the, the, the motorcycle community at large is important enough to these people and you people to be here on a day when you could quite easily be somewhere else, sitting on your ass, drinking alcohol, eating food, and having a jolly good time. Um, but you're here. And right. that, mm -hmm. I think, is what defines the motorbike community, the motorcycle community, especially here in California. I know that it exists in other cities in this country. Uh, I've experienced it in Brooklyn. Um, I've seen something of it in uh, San Diego and in LA and Chicago and Portland and Washington um, state, that is, Seattle, sorry, Seattle. Um, but f I think it's extremely vibrant here in California and in Northern California yeah. in particular. The Bay Area is such a vast community yeah. and it's almost, uh, almost literally now one continuous uh, community. It's hard to find any countryside between each of these towns. Right. That's how we've managed. We've been doing this podcast for three and a half years. We have such a wealth of resources and community and and leaders and, and tech and inventors and writers and everything here. I think the world and people who listen to our podcast, they know we are very fortunate to be here. It is. We're so steeped in uh, tradition and community so many different communities but you go to an event like the dirt bag and you see a lot of patch patches from all different oh, clubs yeah. and i go and i'll see people i only see every year at the dirt bag and you meet new people and make friends and that's something that's been important to me so i would love to help to keep sure, that actually, intact what you've just said uh many many people have said to me mm -hmm. And um, that is why I can't completely let go of the community side of this event. You know, I want to encourage people to do things. Um, and to me, I guess the best way to show people that they can do things is to do it yourself. You know, right. um, and that and more importantly, the most important part of this actually is that I'm not special. I'm just a fucking, you know, 
flesh, blood, and blown. Limey bone. wanker, as he said. Limey wanker, wanker. Yeah, I'm just an art. I'm just a <laughs> fucking dude. But you did something, and that's my point. Yeah. Right. There's nothing special about me. I have no money. You know, something I'll say, and I, it really came through when I was watching the documentary um, that I thought was really well done. Both of them were really great. Thank you. But really what you showed, and it was inspiring to, to us, and it actually it wasn't long after that Liza was chopping on the concourse, but um, that anyone can do it. It's not rocket science. It's and, not rocket science. And you see Paul sitting there with a, with a bunch of blocks of wood as a jack, rips out the sawzall, cuts the thing, looks at it, and says, well, this is fucked. So then he, you know, recuts the welds, redoes it, and you're like, man, even, you know, I could actually do that. So I right. appreciate the fact that you make, Paul, you make motorcycling accessible. It should and you, be accessible. And it's un you make it way less intimidating the, than you, you think it would be. Look, and, and speaking of, of doing it, I wanted to circle back to something you, you touched on earlier. You said there were four rules for the Dirt Bag Challenge. Could you tell us what those rules are? Okay, well, the rules are now, I yeah. guess, for this year. From this year at the moment, the rules are... Uh, you get two months build time. Mm -hmm. You can spend twenty five hundred bucks. You've got to come on the dirt bag ride, the dirt bag run. I guess some people call it, mm -hmm. uh, which this year is going to be a minimum of five hundred miles. Okay. Wow. Uh, we're going to stay out for at least two nights, um, and it can't be a Harley Davidson. Is the last rule. <laughs> so I actually I had that rule. I actually own Harley Davidson, and uh, so do a lot of my friends. Um, we originally put that rule in place because a guy we knew was going to build a dirt bag chopper for free based all on donations, and he was going to build a Harley. And I actually didn't feel that that was fair because all these cats were like, you know, this one dude had a 750 Virago. Uh, there were two XS 650s. Um, you know, bikes like that, like what I call barn bikes, you know, just raggedy-ass old Japanese bikes that people could afford, they were going to have to compete with a Harley-Davidson that if the guy had paid for, was going would have cost, you know, $60,000. But right. because his buddy was going to donate all the parts, he was going to get be able to come in under the budget. I was like, that's not fair. And the primary reason is that regardless of whether you like it or not, the iconic chopper is always going to be a Harley-Davidson. Yeah, it's been done. It's it's uh, right. not only has it been done, but if you are competing for in in a build, let's say, and you know all the bikes there are thirty year old Japanese bikes, and one of them is a Harley Davidson that's got a ton of really nice components on it, that is not a level playing field. So to level the playing field, there are no Harley Davidsons allowed in the show. That is all. Can yeah. anyone join okay. the ride? Uh, no. Who can go on the ride are participants in that year's show. Anybody that's ever been on a dirtbag event before, if they've still got that the bike. Alumni. Yeah, the alumni. They can come and ride that bike with us. And every year I invite a few people, journalists, photographers. Uh, recycle garage. Recycle garage sometimes. <laughs> you just um, threw that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got that on tape. It's a little Jedi mind trick. You saw that? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, every year um, we always have somebody help us out. You know, uh, like the East Bay Mad Dogs have helped us out a couple of years in a row. Like a support car or something or a pickup truck. Um, actually, they they uh, rode block for us mm. for a couple of years. Nice. They managed the road crew for us. I used to have a buddy of mine, Talbot. What's up, Ugly? Um, <laughs> before he moved, he moved back east. Um, but he used to run a road crew for us and run Blocker. Um, we have a lot of different people involved on a lot of different levels that 
if you show up to the party, you're probably never going to be aware of that mm. there's that much work going on yeah. on the back end. So um, all help is very gratefully received. Uh, but as far as the ride goes, um, what used to happen is people would want to bring, oh, I can't, you know, my bike's a pile of shit, so my girlfriend's going to follow the ride in a pickup truck. And then one year we had like four pickup trucks following the ride, and I'm like, you know what? This is not what I'm about. And then you have to organize with them, or they, yeah, you know, the, and the women get, or they get stuck somewhere. And, you and like, then people yeah. uh, expect you to provide um, right. a chase truck. And my, my personal philosophy is that if you've put time and energy into building a motorcycle that you want to do, that you want to use every day in the real world, a viable, authentic bike, then you shouldn't need a chase truck. And that is coming from somebody that's been picked up by the chase truck uh, one did year. Did you break <laughs> down this year? I broke down this year twice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Twice yeah. this year. Uh, and I repaired my bike at the side of the road twice, and yeah. I rode into the event. So Right on. Um, if I can do it, right. any fucker can do it. Well, we're looking forward to it. Um, we're getting past time, so I want to get to... We'll get to one email. This was my one of my favorite emails this week. Douglas, can you read this one? Yeah, this is from Mike. Uh, Hi, Mike. <laughs> Yo, what up? <laughs> Thanks uh, for writing Mike. in, Mike. First, I want to say kudos for keeping the old bikes alive and helping others keep their bikes running. I love all that old stuff and like to work on bikes myself. I came upon your podcast, I'm currently on number 14, and like to hear your stories and how you fix the bikes, but could you do it without all the cursing? Fuck, <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> well, we, I thought we toned it down tonight a little bit. I thought we were knocking that shit you, off. You have a Fuck good no. podcast, oh, but I can't let my kids listen to it. Mm. I think it would be easy to just talk about the bikes, but leave the cursing out. You think it would be easy, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've heard the F-bomb drop so much in my life. Shut the front door. I, <laughs> I hope you don't take this the wrong way, Mike. Sent for my iPhone. I don't so know any other way to take that. Here's what I loved about this email. I, we've we've put out I think about 190. Yes, yeah, 192. Shows. He's on number 14. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole lot of us to clean it He's up. He's got a lot of cussing to go. So I, I just responded. I think there may be one or two that are yeah. good. Just keep listening, and uh, I think the takeaway here is that maybe this will inspire you and your kids to build a bike together. I think when we have really old guests. Or like very conservative. Oh, that's hello. Yeah. No, I mean, like you know, like uh, very, uh, uh, like uh, I'm very old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Craig Vetter. Like we didn't curse when Craig was here, right? Remember? Yeah. We, we I, had, like, I think a, you're actually younger than me, Paul. Are you older than 52? Yeah, I'm 54. Oh, you are older than me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, Fucking hell. So thank you for that email. I loved it. And there was another funny thing. I don't know if you guys are aware of. There was a video going around. Um, it, on YouTube, and it's called The Seven Modern Day Squids You Will Meet. <laughs> and it's done kind of documentary style, like a in the wild kind of thing. You're, you're where, this to you where it's, yeah, where it's showing the different types of squids and it has pictures and commentary. It's David Edinburgh. But what is amazing, um, they said, and then there's the Supermoto guys. No, uh, those guys. And we, it, uh, this was on the podcast a while and ago, it wasn't it? Cuts to a picture of Yuri Varigan oh. that they stole from the internet, who's on the track going sideways into a turn. Nice. <laughs> and he got used as a, a sample of those squids really? on Supermoto. Yeah. Well, I, guess, no. I guess they didn't see the picture of him on the Isle of Man course, huh? Exactly. Doesn't, doesn't Yuri, squidding on the Isle of Man. Wear a tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, he was fully yeah, fully You're, track, how's that track suited up right. on the track, <laughs> right. riding exceptionally well. But according to them, that's one of those supermoto squids. <laughs> I, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, How you are can you look a squid for that. in a tracksuit? <laughs> what? Oh, there's there's plenty. There's the guy on the like the Honda CB550 in a full tracksuit and gear, you know, going to go get milk at 7-Eleven. There, there you got all sorts of squids. Um, <laughs> but they're out there. They really are. Um, but I wanted to thank both uh, Tiffany and Paul for coming down. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Really us. cool. Yeah, I, really I hope cool. you enjoyed this experience. It's hard, I, um, to, hard to prepare somebody for this zoo. I'm always prepared. No, <laughs> I was a Boy Scout. Um, dip, dip, dip. Dub, dub, dub. Yes. Listen, <laughs> I want to thank you guys, and I also want to... Morse code? <laughs> Morse code for the Boy Scout. Um, I want to thank you guys uh, for inviting me down, but I also want to acknowledge what you do here. Is really quite awesome, actually. And thank you. Um, well, I, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, you told you kind of told me via messenger on Facebook what kind of thing we ha you have going on down here. And of course, you, before you walk through the door, you never know what to expect. And I think it's pretty neat what you guys are doing. And um, thank you. I think you should continue. I'm, I'll be stoked if you guys continue yeah. to do it. So can you open up a shop up north? No, but you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the whole point, Tiffany. You can. This isn't a shop. It's a cooperative. So I, you know, it's... So, but I recommend listening again to this podcast, the part where Paul said, you should just do, do, do it, it yourself. I am kind of curious that we have the concourse license. Did you take a gander at the concourse? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and what's your, what's your kind of gut thought? What the... I used to own a concourse, actually. That um, thing looks fucking bad, man. I yeah, like they've got great now. engines. Uh, they are kind of lardy, but they're good for the long haul. Um, would you leave that frame intact? What would you, if you got your hands excuse on me? it? If you got your hands on that thing, what would you would know? Chop more stuff do you off know who me. the fuck I am? Yeah, I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> All you do is cut and weld, cut and weld. Uh, that's not exactly true. Um, do you know uh, what about Lotus Cars was started by a, a guy, I think, named Colin Chapman, was it? Colin his name? Chapman, yeah. And he used to have a motto, and his motto was simplify and add lightness. Mm. And that is basically my philosophy for, for motorcycles. Now, obviously, I have a, an aesthetic that appeals to me. Um, I don't think anybody else has to follow that aesthetic. Whatever they like to build, they like to build. I like choppers. Dirtbag was originally started as a chopper show. I like to see choppers show up. But if people build other kind of bikes, that's on them, not on me. Um, I like that bike. I think there's a lot of potential there. What I will say is that the beauty of the custom motorcycle is that each person can take a model of motorcycle and do something completely different with it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I'd like to do one day if I get the opportunity is to get a bunch of bikes like all the same I don't know CB750 sure. or, or or Ninja 500 who cares what it what it is and get 20 of them and have 20 different groups of people or 20 individuals That'd be really or whatever interesting to come in what and just customize it in whatever way they want to and see what people come up with hmm. oh it is happening it's called the XS650 because it's very hard to find a stock one, but you can find a flat tracker, a cafe, a bobber. Right. Yes, there are bikes that people are doing that. A lot of my friends um, hold me entirely responsible, which I won't accept that responsibility. <laughs> but uh, apparently Dirtbag Challenge somehow, I don't know if this is true, but if you look at 
a t- historic timeline of the rise of the XS650 as a custom motorcycle in this country and the timeline of the Dirtbag Challenge, they're kind of parallel. Wow. And early on, there were a lot of excesses involved because they lend themselves greatly to... Uh, well, it's a great-looking engine. It's a great-looking engine. It produces a reasonable amount of power, mm-hmm. and they used to be cheap as chips. Right, and they sound good. They sound great. They feel good. They've got a great yeah, personality to them. Um, I've built many myself. Um I just built one for a friend. God, it's fantastic. Man. Yeah. You know, Did you get rid of the charging system? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Charging system's terrible. Junk. So if, if somebody wants to learn more about the Dirtbag Challenge, God. where's the best place to go? Dirtbagchallenge.com? Uh, you could. We have a website uh, sometimes. <laughs> I tell everybody, you know, from time to time, we get some knob jockey that uh <laughs> complains about <laughs> quality Sorry, speaking of knob jockeys yeah. <laughs> holy fuck <laughs> fucking dildo just jumped out the wall at me. <laughs> yeah they do that around here <laughs> yeah. they get a minute that was fucking own, magical you know? Don't um, <laughs> every now and then some turkey will send me some kind of message via usually via the facebook page and say your website's a pile of shit your fucking Facebook page hasn't been updated for 30 days or whatever. And I'm like, I fucking work for a living, mate. Go you know? fuck yourself. Oh, well, it's not about go fuck yourself. It's like, I'm not here to babysit. I don't want to babysit any fucker, you know. Um, I like to encourage people, and I always will try and encourage people. Um, but I don't want to tell people how to do something, when to do something, where to do something, or whatever the fuck. My general philosophy for Dirtbag has been, this is what I'm doing, this is when I'm doing it, this is what it takes, if you want to do it, if you want to do it, it's on you. And I would say the same about anything else, you know, if you want to do something, fucking do it. But don't wait for somebody else to give you the, the go-ahead or the green light or whatever, you know. I, I know that Dirtbag has a timeline, and if you want to participate in Dirtbag, you've got to wait for the timeline. But in life in general, do your fucking thing. Don't wait for no other fucker. Yeah, and I would say, just like I'm always telling people, if you like what we're doing here, then you should do it yourself. Yeah. And, this and, is and I tell people, example. and you're welcome to use the recycle name. I'll right. even give you the logo that I created. If somebody wants to start a Dirtbag in... Fort Collins, Colorado. Can they use Dirtbag name? Not at the moment. Okay. Um, The reason is, is because uh, it was owned by a business I had with a couple of people. Okay. And that that business is currently uh, undergoing some legal changes. So at the moment, it's all up in the air. Uh, And that's very much to do with the new direction that Dirtbag is going. So, um, All right. Tiffany, if you want to... Do Recycle Garage, you know, Larkspur or Green Bay or wherever <laughs> you are. Do it, you know. I need a garage first. Yeah. There well, is fight, <laughs> find a friend with a garage, get find it friends, started. Yep. All right, so in wrapping up, you also have the Dirtbag Challenge on the Facebook page, and a lot of people post their pictures there. Yeah. Um, I love people, trolling that. Yeah, uh, a lot of people will post stuff about other events on there, which I, again, encourage. Um we are getting more and more people from outside the Bay Area and outside of California and even outside the United States mm-hmm. uh, doing that, and I fully encourage that. Um, I was going to mention that one of the reasons why I haven't let the name just go out there and be for anybody to use is because I don't want anybody to be able to use it for their own personal gain. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and not the moment. 
not while I own it. Um, I'm a diehard socialist. I'm all about inclusion, not exclusion. Um, somebody ridiculously a couple of years ago uh, made the statement to a friend of mine, a friend of mine told me this, that, um, you know, uh, it's only my crew of buddies that ever win Dirtbag. And that is entirely untrue. The opposite, in fact, is true. The people that win Dirtbag become my friends, mm -hmm. not the other way around. Yeah. Um, very, very That's few, cool. very, very few people that I was close friends with at the time that Dirtbag started happening are even around or involved in Dirtbag anymore. And in fact, the majority of people that I am friends with in the world now, I met through Dirtbag. So it's all inclusive. I want. We've had mm -hmm. women participate. Um, we've had super young people participate. Um, I think there was a school that built a dirt bag project once, and then they weren't allowed to ride it or something because <laughs> of some school bullshit rule. Oh, jeez. Um, well, I love what it represents, and I would love to help yeah. keep it going. So people should check you out. On Checks out on Facebook. Facebook. You can look at our. Uh, Look at our webpage if you weren't, dirtbagchallenge.com. Have a good laugh at how inept we are. Um, <laughs> we are mechanics and bikers, not techies. And that translates one way, but generally not the other, <laughs> if you get my meaning. And then if you would like to hear Tiffany's piece, The Perspective of a Newbie who, who rode along, uh, so just Google, Google Tiffany Kamhi, C-A-M-H-I, and right. Dirtbag, and it will come up. It'll pop up. The KQED. So, yeah, the, just it was just too bad it was so short because I know you had a lot of content. I had a lot, yes. yes. I had a lot of engine revving. <laughs> maybe we can get together and do a uh do a piece a little bit a director's cut yeah reporters maybe. i don't know i see so um yeah well this is a long one but we knew it'd be because paul there's so much there and hopefully we can get you down another time we'd love to get you down because i know there's going to be a lot of stories we we sure. barely really touched into your past and past i would like to like come that. in actually um a little bit closer to when uh this current um mm -hmm movie project is getting finished yeah please do I'll man. tell you about that um, because I'm going to be shamelessly promoting that um, not a hundred percent sure how we're going to distribute it yet but we're going to try and do something uh, creative with that um, and keep it accessible to everybody again um, one of the problems with the previous two productions is like getting it out to the willing audience um, yeah. and we've had a mixed success with that some of it's been really successful some of it hasn't um, so yeah uh, I would love to come back, and I always have stories. Yeah, and of course, Hi. Tiffany, you're welcome to come down anytime Hi. too. And if you want to come and learn more, like wrenching skills or you know how to weld to or anything down. like that, yeah, yeah don't come here for that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a time where I thank everybody for listening and making it this far. We really appreciate it. Keep the emails coming in, and if you would like to reach us, go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com, where you find our links to everything there. Yeah. It's really easy. Motorcyclesandmisfits.com. And there's still calendars for sale. But I think we're ready to wrap up. This is Liza. Mm, bagel. This is Doc. This is Doug. Mike. Emma. Tiffany. This is Paul. Micah. Naked Jim. Charlie. And the peanut gallery out there. Woot, woot. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, hey, let's get out of here. All right. Out of here. All right. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. cool. Bye.